Well, we're continuing a series. Matter of fact, we're ending a series today called Do the Right Thing. And we've been talking about how important it is in, in these challenging times to be able to make good decisions, to be able to discern what's the right thing to do at any given moment. And so this series has been about that. If you missed any of it, you can always go back online and check out those messages. But I will do uh, the best job I can in catching you up to speed so you're kind of like, okay, I know what's going on. All right? But I want to start here with our series verse, and that's in Proverbs chapter 3, uh, verses 21 through 22. Hear these words from Proverbs. My child, never drift off course from these goals for your life. Listen, to walk in wisdom and to discover discernment. Don't ever forget how they empower you, for they strengthen you inside and out and inspire you, look at it, to do what's right. You will be energized and refreshed by the healing, by the healing they bring. And then James 1.5, listen to this. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Now, if you're wondering what a definition of wisdom is, here, here, here's a biblical definition of wisdom. Wisdom is the capacity to see things from God's perspective. In other words, see things from God's point of view and respond according to scriptural principles. Do you see it? Wisdom is seeing it how God sees it, but then responding appropriately, but not responding from what I want or desires or my own opinions. It's that I'm responding from a scriptural point of view. I'm responding from a scriptural principle that I'm building my life on. And so it's not kind of willy-nilly or how I feel. No, no. It's very focused, very specific. I'm seeing it from God's point of view, and I'm responding the way God would tell me to respond. That's what the Bible describes as wisdom. Now, wisdom starts with a proper relationship with God. If you don't have a relationship with God, it's hard to have God's wisdom, isn't it? And so if you spend no time with God, it means how do you, how do you even do that? And that would be a biblical point of view. Wisdom is something that if we ask God, the Bible says, if we ask him, he'll give it to us. So perhaps you're in a situation where you need greater wisdom. God says he will give it to you if you ask him because he's generous. He's generous, let me stress that, in his giving of his wisdom. See, we all need wisdom. We all need to get wisdom. Uh, we need to make sure that wisdom is infecting, so to speak, all areas of our life. It should affect every area of our life. We should never compartmentalize to certain places wisdom. In other words, I shouldn't just be wise at church and then unwise in the marketplace. I should be both wherever I am. I should be wise there and wise there. That's the goal of God's wisdom. And then here's the other thing that we learned two weeks ago, and that is that with wisdom comes many, many gifts from God. And I think that's an important message that you need to go back and watch. But, but there's so many different gifts that we gain from wisdom. Now, here's the point. Wisdom is something that we all need. And what I want you to see today, and this is where we'll spend the remainder of our time, is that wise men and women are generous people. See, see, did you notice that God is generous in giving his wisdom? Matter of fact, the Bible says that God is generous in giving his son. You've heard it, probably seen it at baseball games. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know it. 
So God is a giver. He's a generous God, and He's been doing that from the very beginning. And so when we read the Scriptures, when we try to understand wisdom and what God's principles are and what He's all about, we have to understand that our God is a generous God. And so wise people, here's the big idea for today, wise people are generous people because our God is generous. It's important that we see this. See, in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 through 25, listen to these words. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. That's pretty clear, isn't it? I mean, it's like, it's just pretty straightforward. He goes on to say in verse 25, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Now there's something going on in this verse that you might not see at first, but you're trying, you're probably starting to get it. In other words, if I do this, then this will happen. You get that. But what's actually woven in the middle of this passage and all throughout Scripture is a principle, a spiritual principle created by God that we all need to understand. This spiritual principle is called the law of reciprocity. Like, what is that? You might know it by another phrase, sowing and reaping. It's an agricultural term, but we pretty much understand what that means. You sow it and, then, and we reap it. There's a harvest that comes from it. And that's the point that, that Proverbs is trying to get us to see that woven throughout God's word all over the place is this law of reciprocity. And it's a spiritual law that has, a, has an earthly and natural impact. It is a spiritual law that has a natural impact. I mean, I, I didn't create this law. God created this law. It's like gravity. Did you guys create gravity? I didn't, I didn't create gravity. I didn't have anything to do with gravity. Now, I've, I've experienced the effects of gravity in my life. Haven't you? You've fallen before. You've maybe jumped off something you shouldn't have when you're, you know, whatever you've done, you know. And, and so we've experienced gravity, but we didn't necessarily have it. Well, we didn't have anything to do with creating gravity. But see, God creates laws, spiritual laws. He even creates natural laws. God creates these laws, and if we live by those laws in our life, we will experience the effect of those laws in our life. Does that make sense? And so the law of reciprocity says, if I sow, there will be reaping that occurs as a result. It's important you see this. See, this passage is helping us to see that woven throughout the fabric of God's word is this idea. Now listen to it. The more you grasp and hoard, the more you'll need. Get this. The more you grasp and hoard, the more you'll need. Those who freely and generously find, that, that generously give, find that they're happier, healthier, and experience more blessings. Did you know that? So what he's saying is if you hold on to things, if you grasp, if you hoard, if you're stingy, you'll always need more. You'll never have enough. Now, I know for some of us, that seems kind of counterintuitive. You're like, well, if I have, if I hold on to it, then everything is going to be okay. Well, see, the problem with that is that that's a control mentality. You actually are deceiving yourself into thinking that you're in control. And really, you're motivated by fear. 
What? That's not very nice. I know, but we have to see it. Fear is one of the main reasons we don't trust God. It's one of the main reasons we don't give to God what he asks us to give to him. And that doesn't mean he's mad at us. He just is trying to help us to see that if, if we want to see the law of reciprocity unleashed in our life, we have to do it his way. Many of us are saved and we'll probably get to heaven, but that doesn't mean we'll experience the abundant life that God wants to bring to us now. And I'm pretty sure if I asked all of you, if we're like, hey, uh, do you want to get to heaven by like barely escaping the fire? You'd be like, well, that doesn't seem like a good idea. You would rather thrive, right? You would rather experience all that God has for you. You'd rather have that happier, healthier kind of experience. I mean, of course, who wouldn't? No, it doesn't mean we won't have troubles. It doesn't mean we won't have challenges. It doesn't mean we won't have brokenness in life and all of that. No, no. It just means that when we go through those things, we will have God in them. We'll have God with us. And, and I'm just telling you, you always want God in those and on the things that you have and on the things that you do. Uh, you always want him on those in and on those things. It's just always better with him. Promise. And so the thing that we've got to see is that woven throughout all of this is this law of reciprocity. And if we live open-handed, what happens is that we can give freely. We can be generous like God is generous. And matter of fact, I think we'll experience a happier, healthier, and even more blessed life if we live the way God calls us to live. See, wise people, wise people are generous people because that's who God is. See, Proverbs 22, 9 says it this way. Blessed are those who are generous. We're blessed if we're generous, the Bible says. And then he goes on to say the cause is because they feed the poor. Isn't that interesting? So you see this kind of basic statement that I'm blessed when I'm generous, but then he specifically says that I'm blessed when I'm generous, but specifically because they feed the poor. I think that's an important thing to see. Now, I don't know if you've been around Elevation very long. You may or may not have, but, but, but the thing that you have to understand is that this church is supported by the tithes and offerings of the people that attend. The people that give. I mean, we have people that give from all over the place. I mean, some people don't even call this their home, but they still give to the church. But the people that are here that call this house their house and that give faithfully to that house are able to see the manifestations of this law of reciprocity and this principle applied in our current city. Matter of fact, I don't know if you were a part of the Being the Church outreach or maybe even this Thanksgiving outreach we just did this past Saturday, which was really awesome. And you'll see some of these pictures of us being able to just serve our community, love the people in our community, make sure that people who are poor are getting fed, doing the things that we need to be doing as a church to be the hands and feet of Jesus. See, that's the kind of stuff that's able to happen when the people of God are doing the things that the people of God are supposed to do. This is, this is the kind of generosity that's able to happen when the people are being generous. You probably know this, and you've, you, you've, you've probably seen this illustration before, but, but it's like um, they say, how did that go where you, um, the church is the people, you know, and the steeple? Right? You know what I'm talking about? And you got the, all the, here's the church, here's the steeple, open the church, and there's all kinds of people. 
You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> but you know that illustration. And so what it's saying is that the church is the people. The church isn't a building. The church is full of people filled with the presence of God and that wherever the church goes, individually and collectively, we're bringing the presence of God with us. And that means we're bringing God's generosity with us as well. And so in our city, we're able to be the hands and feet of Jesus when we are being like Jesus, who was generous. We're able to help people. Now, we do that locally in so many different ways. Uh, we're collecting turkeys right now to help people. We're, I mean, we're doing all kinds of things to love the poor and those who are struggling right now. But we're also doing that around the world. It's not just locally. We're doing that internationally. We have a partnership in El Salvador uh, with Abigail Association, and they're doing some great work down there. And I don't know if you know this, but, but there was a month during the COVID crisis, uh, somewhere in March or May or April, I don't know exactly, but we were able to fund, and this is really cool, 100 to 150 families having meals for an entire month as a church, collectively, we did that. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that's what we can do together when we are doing the things that God has called us to do. And then nationally, you may or may not know this, but as, as, a, as a church, we have connections with certain networks. One is called ARC, and the other is called the, the, the Next Level Relational Network. And both of those networks and relationships help us to reach out to other people. You may not know this, but there are lots of church plants in this world. This church was a church plant about, I don't know, eight or nine years ago. And we have this beautiful facility now that we didn't have before. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I've got friends that are church planners that when COVID hit, they lost their homes. They have no movie theaters to meet in and they have no schools to meet in. And a lot of us don't even calculate that. But there are a lot of churches right now that are homeless simply because they can't meet in those facilities. We started in a school. Matter at all, we started in a fitness center, then we went to a school, and then we went to a movie theater. And if we were in the same situation they're in, we would have been homeless at this point. And you know what I love about supporting organizations like this is they help churches like that. They help pastors who are struggling and churches who can't pay their bills and maybe uh, who have lost maybe 50% of their population at this point in their church. And see, these are the kinds of things we do. Do you think that a pastor who's been working or she's been working hard, super hard to see a church get off the ground and do everything they could, bringing their family, doing everything they have to make sure that God's kingdom advances, do you think it hits them really hard when they can't do it? When they see half their money gone? When they see half their people gone? When you look out and you only got a few people showing up? You think that does anything to someone psychologically? And here's the good news, is that your dollars are helping to support pastors, helping to support churches who are struggling, helping to do those kinds of things. And I'm telling you guys, that is important work. And you may not always see it, but you have to understand that your church, the work that we're doing, the generosity that we're able to bring to the world is so important to the lives of people. We gave $1,000 to some pastors in India because in India they couldn't leave their house. 
They wouldn't let them leave the house. They couldn't even get food. And that's a thing that, as Americans, we don't understand. And what I mean by that is, is when you're poor, world poor, not American poor, but world poor, guys, social distancing is a luxury. You have to understand that. There are places in this world that that's, that's just not even an option. And the church stands in the middle of that and offers hope to people. Offers hope to people who are struggling, suffering, the poor that need help. That's what we're doing. When you give, that's what you're doing, is you're supporting those kinds of things in order to see these kinds of things happen in our world. Jesus was preaching a sermon. Matter of fact, it's recorded in Matthew. Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 70. Some people call it the Sermon on the Mount. And he was preaching this sermon, and he had this to say, and I think it's so uh, pertinent to what I'm talking about today. He says in Matthew 6, 19 through 21, he says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth. Notice the location. He says, don't store them up on earth. And he goes on to say, well, because moth and rust, they'll destroy it. The thieves can come and steal it. But store up for themselves, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Notice the location. Earth, heaven being contrasted. Where moth and rust and the thieves can't steal. Look. And then he says this. Look at this. Look, look, look. You've got to see this. He adds another layer. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what is he saying? He's trying to help us to see that there are locations and one of them is earth and one of them is heaven. And if we store up heaven, if we store up in heaven, what, what happens is that those things can't be affected by the natural world. But if we store up on earth, those things can be affected by the natural world. And then he gives like this, this amazing attachment he says, whichever you choose, if you choose to store up on earth or if you choose to store up in, in heaven, when you put your treasure there, he says, your heart goes there as well. In other words, your heart is tethered to the place that you put your treasure. And if our heart is tethered to the world, and to the things of this world, those things will end. But the things that are attached to the heavens will live forever. That is something to pay attention to. See, Jesus is trying to get us to see that there's a way to go about life that leads to greater impact. There's a way to go about life that leads to greater impact in the world and in the heavenlies, in our lives and in the people's lives around us because nobody gets to the end of their life and says, man, I wish I would have watched more Netflix. I wish I would have just had more stuff. No. We say, I wish I would have made a difference. I wish I could have done that. I wish I could have helped. I wish I had more time. I wish I did this. Why? Because those things matter. Those things matter in eternity. And that's what we have to see. See, giving helps us gauge. Giving helps us gauge whether or not wisdom has taken root in our life. See, giving, giving is, is, a, is a great measure 
to help us tell the truth. You ever heard a financial advisor say, if you want to know what people care about, look at their, bu their budget. Look at where they spend their money. Look at their bank accounts. And, and I, so like for me, I, I like to eat out. Anybody else like to eat out? You're not doing much of it right now, are you? But we, li we like to eat out. I love to eat out. So if you looked at my budget, you would see that I spend money eating out. And you'd be like, man, pastor likes to eat out. Because <laughs> it's right there. You can see it. I can't hide it. I can't lie about it. It's right there. And that's what, what we have to see, is that when we, when we lay ourselves open, so to speak, and we look at our giving and we look at our patterns, we see what's real. And, and, and are you like me sometimes? It's like you see what's real and then you do like kind of like these gymnastics to kind of try and convince yourself it's not true. You ever do that? You're like, you're, you, you really don't want it to be true, but you're like, oh, it really is true. I spent that much on a credit card buying little cat dolls. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what your thing is. You probably like little cat dolls or something and you spend lots of money on cat dolls. <laughs> if you're spending money on cat dolls, guys, we need to talk. We just, we need to talk. But my point is, is it tells us the truth. If I'm generous, it will be there. If my bank account will reflect the generosity that's in my heart. And see, what happens so often is we say we want this. We ascend to this idea because we know that God is generous. Like if I asked you, if we were sitting having coffee and I was staring you face to face and I said, do you think God is generous? You'd be like, yeah. Do you think God is loving? Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you think he, yeah. I mean, we all want, that. no one stands up and says, man, God is a stingy little whatever. No one does that. Why? Because we know God is generous. But see, here's the thing. We ascend to that idea. We say God is generous. But what happens is we don't necessarily apply that in our own life. And yet we want that in our lives. And here's the thing. In order to have it, we got to start to do it God's way. We actually have to look at the numbers. We have to say, you know what? I'm really not doing this. I mean, here's the point. If, if we come to church and we give a dollar, let's say we give a dollar, right? And you have a job. You're gainfully employed. All right. If you're not employed, you can't give dollars. I get it. But you're gainfully employed. You come and you give a dollar in the bucket. What that says is, is that you made $10 last week. Is this okay? If you give $20, what it says, you made $200 last week. I don't know what you make. I'm not, going, I'm not investigating that. I'm just simply saying that if we want to see generosity unleashed in our life, we have to do it God's way. We have to do it the way God tells us to do it. We can't just keep doing this thinking that somehow it's going to pay off because it's not. See, Proverbs 11, 25, I, I want to reread that in the New King James, just really quick. The generous soul will be made rich. And he who waters will also be watered himself. Do you see what's being said there? In other words, if I become generous, the Bible says that I will become a rich person. Now, that doesn't mean that I'll have a big mansion on a hill. Because see, richness can be so many things. 
I would much rather be blessed than rich. I would much rather experience that. And so my point is, is that it's not about having a bunch of money. It's about being able to live into the abundant life that Jesus describes to us. But the Bible says, if you are a generous soul, you will be made rich. Then he says, if you give water to someone, refreshing them, you will in turn be refreshed. Do you see the law of reciprocity? If I give water to you, you will, I will then be receiving that back, is what he's saying. And what's really cool about that is the person on the receiving end also gets water. So you're refreshing them with water, and at the same time, you're being refreshed. That's God's rhythm that he brings. That's why when you help other people, you feel good. Like when you help someone, or you give something, or you do something, what happens is you walk away going, wow. I feel good today. I, I'm glad I did that. Why? Because there's a spiritual law in play. And that spiritual law is the law of reciprocity. And you are now being filled spiritually by your actions. And that's what God wants you to see. There's a law of sowing and reaping. Then look at this in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give and you will receive. That doesn't get much more clear. Give and you will receive. Now, you're like, well, uh, is that real? Watch this. Your gift will not return to you. Wait, your gift will return to you in full. Watch this. Pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. Holy moly. So picture this, a big grain silo. You ever seen one of these things? And I guess they have little, you know, ways to shoot the grain out the bottom of them, right? You open the little valve and the grain comes out of them. So imagine you're underneath the grain elevator and you got your bucket. And you're sitting on the ground with your bucket. And someone opens the grain elevator and the grain comes out and it starts filling your bucket. And you're like, whoa, there's a lot of grain. And it's filling my bucket and it's getting really heavy and it's in my lap and it's starting to hurt. And the next thing you know, the bucket is all the way full and the grain is falling out over the sides. It's overflowing everywhere. It's going. Ah, right. You get it. And now you're actually covered in a mound of grain. That's the picture that God wants you to see. That's the generosity of God. That he literally says that you will see that kind of overflow in your life if you do it my way. And then he says this. He says the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. And I know some of us in the room hear that and we say, uh-uh. Or... We read it and we say, I've seen people do bad things with this verse. And I just want to say to you, listen, listen to me. God's principles don't change. Please do not base your life on what someone else did with God's word. There are lots of sinful people in this world, even preachers. And sometimes preachers do bad things with God's word. 
But let me be clear. God's word is unaffected by the sin of human beings. His principles are still the same. And when he says the amount you give will determine the amount you get back, please trust it. Do not live your life opposite or separate from it simply because someone did something sinful with it. Embrace this principle and you will see the generosity of God in your life. And so I want to give you three things before I close. The first is giving that is wise is first. Giving that is wise is first. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Listen to this. Honor or put before yourself. Honor, put before yourself the Lord with your possessions. And listen to this, with the first fruit of all of your increase. Do you notice he doesn't say second fruit, third fruit, fourth fruit, fifth fruit? No, it's first fruit. So he says, with your possessions and what you will receive in the future, the first fruits of what you receive or the increase that comes into your life. And then he says this, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will, see it again, overflow with new wine. This God is interested in overflow. That is awesome. That is amazing. That's what some of us need in our lives today. And here's the point. It can be true of your life if you'll simply reach and grab hold of the spiritual principles that God has created for you. You notice he says, honor God or put him first. He doesn't say give God leftovers from the night before. No, he says give God first. He doesn't say give to God after you pay your bills. Now, I know this is subtle, and I know you're like, Pastor, you're just being legalistic. Well, I don't think I am. And the reason I don't think I am is because God's very specific about it. There are things in the Word where He's a little bit more nuanced. But in this particular matter, He's very specific about the order. In other words, there's an order to giving. And there's a reason there's an order to giving. The reason there's an order to giving is He wants to make sure that He's always first. Why? Because He desires your worship. And he wants it to be freely given, not something that's forced, not something that's pressured. He wants you to do it every day of your life to give him first. And so I say this, if, if you're struggling to pay your bills, perhaps, perhaps you're paying the cable bill before you give to the Lord. Cancel the cable bill. And I know that's hard because you're like, I need cable. I won't survive. Yeah, you will. A matter of fact, you'd probably be better off. There's lots of free stuff out there. <laughs> but here's my point. If that's a struggle, then God's asking you to examine what's there. He's just wanting you to see what's going on there. Why is it that you're not willing to honor me in this way? Does that make sense, what I'm saying? And I know that this is kind of a hard thing to swallow, but it's important because I know everybody in this room wants to see the overflow. Everybody wants to experience that life. But so often in our spiritual life, we want everything that God wants to bring into our life, but we don't want to do anything to get it. We don't want to honor him in that way. And I'm just telling you, and I, I know that this is going to be hard because it leads to a regular disappointment that you have in your heart. 
is that somehow God's not showing up. It's that God's not being true to his word. And I'm just here to tell you, it's not that at all. My friends, God will always be true to his word. And so if there's ever a problem, it's not God. Number two, giving that is wise is intentional and joyful. Giving that is wise is intentional and joyful. Listen to this in 2 Corinthians 9, 7 through 10. It's so good. You've got to hear this. You must each decide. Did you see that? That's the intentional part. You must decide in your heart how much to give. Now, he doesn't say decide in your heart how much to give based on what you think. He says, decide in your heart what to give based on what? I'm thinking he's meaning God's principles, not based on what I think or feel, because in just a moment he's going to get real specific. He says, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Do you see that? We're not supposed to ever give because we feel like we have to. We're actually supposed to give because we want to. Like it's a joyful thing and it should never be a thing of pressure. In other words, if you have to be pressured into giving, there's a problem. If your preacher has to like stand up and be like, you must give. And if you don't give, you will burn in the lake of fire. If I have to do that to you to give, there's a problem. There's a misunderstanding and a misapplication of God's word. Because see, I should give because God's a giver. I should give because he first gave to me. It is the only reasonable response for the love that Christ gave me. That I give him back my love, my heart, my money, anything you want, Lord, take it. It's yours. See, I should never give reluctantly or under pressure. And then he says this, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. In other words, with a smile on your face. Like you should be happy to give. You should be excited. Every time you press that button or write that check, you should be like, yay, I get to give today. Matter of fact, some of you need to sing a little song every time you give. You just need to sing a little song. Say, thank you, Jesus, I love you. Give, thank you for giving and I give to you. I just wrote that. And then watch this. And God will generously provide all that you need. Then you will always have everything that you need and plenty left over to what? Share with others. Oh. Did you know our budget would triple if everybody in this church tithed? Get that. See, the Bible says that we'll overflow and we'll have more than enough to share. Do you imagine the kind of impact we could have in this city? The more things we could do to help people, to help people in our city and in our nation and around the world, I mean, it would just be amazing, wouldn't it? Because the Bible says we'll have more than enough. We'll have more than enough to share with others. As Scripture says, look, they share freely, which is the proverb here quoted in, in 2 Corinthians. They share freely and generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, listen, he will provide an increase. He will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Did you notice the repetition of the word provide? Over and over again, you see that word provide. 
Why? Because we have to understand that when we give, we are doing it in a context of God being our provider. And why is that important? Because it destroys fear. I'm never afraid to give. I'm never afraid to go to to reach for higher heights because God is with me. This church is not my provider. Your job is not your provider. Your spouse is not your provider. Your mom or your dad are not your provider, even though they provide probably pretty good for you. No, the Bible says God is my provider. And wherever God is, I have security. I have peace. I don't have to be afraid because the Bible says he's with me and he will provide. And not only will he provide, it says he provides both. Did you see that? God provides both. He provides seed for the farmer and he provides bread to eat. So he's not only providing the potential, he's providing the produce or the provision. He's doing both at the same time. He's dummy proofing giving. He's saying, look, you have to understand that I'm going to give you the seed. And in the seed is the potential. And if you'll take the seed I give you and you'll do something with it, the potential will always be there. Why? Because there's integrity in God. Everything God creates will do exactly what it says he says it will do. And so that's why when you plant a seed, something comes out of it. God made it. It has integrity. And so every seed you plant has potential. And that potential can grow into a harvest. It can grow into bread to eat. It can grow into to, to, to medical missions in El Salvador. It can grow into outreaches in our city. It can grow into all kinds of things simply because God provides both because of the law of reciprocity. See, everybody wants this harvest, but harvest doesn't come without seed being planted. You imagine a farmer staring out at his field and saying, I think I'm going to sit here and believe God that there's going to be a harvest with a bucket of seed next to it. Now, God could do it, couldn't he? I mean, he could. He could be like, harvest everywhere. He could do it, but he's not going to do it. Why? Because he invites us in. He invites us in to that process. And there are times he just does miracles like that so that we go, oh, Normally, he wants us to plant the seed. And number three, and we'll end with this. Giving that is wise is full of faith. See, I want to read this passage out of 2 Corinthians. And you've, you've got to see this. The context of this is so important that you get. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 2. Now, what I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. He says, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. So what he's saying is, okay, I want you guys to see this. And I want you to see what God has done in his kindness. Verse 2, listen to this. They are being tested by many troubles. And they are very poor. And this, this may be one of the most beautiful verses in all of Scripture. In the midst of the trouble, in the midst of being very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. Isn't that amazing? Guys, 
They were experiencing troubles that many of us can't even understand. They were living under Roman rule. And I don't know if you know anything about the Romans. They built great roads, but they were really brutal. And the Bible says that in the middle of those troubles, they were being tested. They were very poor. They were struggling. And yet it said they had this abundant joy which overflowed into their rich generosity. That is not produced by mankind. That is produced by Jesus in us. And that's what Paul wants us to see. Because see, I think this is so important we see this, is that faith that can't withstand trouble may not be real. I say may because I don't know for sure, but I know that faith is intended to stand up in the middle of tragedy, in the middle of trouble, in the middle of difficulty. See, see, when we keep giving, when times are hard, it proves to us that our faith and our trust is in God to provide. Do you see? When I continue to give when things are hard, it proves to me, not God, He's not, he's not confused. It proves to me that my faith is real and that I believe that he's my provider. And so we need to give God first. We need to do it intentionally and joyfully. And we need to do it full of faith, believing that God will always do what he says he'll do. And as I end, we need to sow some seed. All of us need to sow seed. You may be a tither. That's great. Give some sacrificial offerings over and above your tithe. Sow some seed and watch what God will do. If you're not a tither, start tithing. If you are tithing, keep tithing, even when it's hard. And for some of us, you have more than enough and you need to stretch and allow your faith to grow. And you know what's going to be cool? Is that we will be able to then share with those around us who are struggling. And the church will be exactly who the church is and who God wants us to be. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for your word. We know that it can be challenging sometimes, but Lord, we ask that whatever it is you have for us today, that we'd receive it. We receive it right now, God. I wanna pray for those of you that, that desire to honor God with the first fruits that desire to tithe, that desire to give to him what's his. First, I want to start by offering a prayer that just simply says, God, I'm sorry for not doing that. I repent and ask your forgiveness. But I ask that you'd fill me with your spirit that I might be able to honor you in this way. I need your help. I get scared. I sometimes get fearful. But God, I want to trust you as my source. And so, Lord, would you help me with that? Would you help me with that commitment today? I need you. I can't do it without you. And God, as I honor you in this way, would you grow in me faith? God, would you, would you overflow my vats? Would you overflow my lap with blessings, with happiness and health? God, would you bring those things to bear in my life? With heads bowed and eyes closed, I do want to just ask a question today. For some of you, you would have to be, if you were really honest, you'd have to say that you, you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. 
And see, as I preach this message on generosity, on, on becoming a generous person, if you notice that the type that I used was God, because see, God is generous. And matter of fact, we don't see it any, that we really see it so clearly in his desire to offer his son for you and for me. So God offers us this gift. And the question is, is whether or not we would receive it. And I don't know if you've ever received it. If you haven't, I want to be able to lead you in a prayer. If this is your heart, if it's something you desire to, to receive Christ into your life and, and begin a relationship with him, I want to be able to lead you in a prayer. And so I'm going to do that. So church, we're all praying together. Nobody's praying alone here. If you're sitting in a coffee shop somewhere or you're sitting in this room, let this be your prayer. All I ask is that you mean it in faith. There's nothing magical about it and there's nothing magical about these words. It's just simply that your heart is for it and you desire it in faith. And so let's pray this prayer together. Lord Jesus, I need you. Will you forgive me of my sins? Will you be my savior? Would you be my Lord? I surrender to you today. Would you change me from the inside out? And show me my next steps. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate those that are making decisions today? It's so good.